This week, in episode 49 of Diary of a Senior Geek, Do I hate the president? No. Do I think he's qualified to do his job? Hell no. Do I wish he'd resign for the good of the country so the rest of us can get on with handling this crisis without him throwing a fit every 10 minutes? Absolutely. Do I think that'll happen? No. As far as I'm concerned, this president has been in violation of the emoluments clause in the Constitution since the moment he took his oath. He's been profiting off of his hotel chain. He's been pushing his own hotels and resorts as places where government officials should stay when they're traveling. All that is putting money in his pocket. This is illegal. Or if it isn't illegal, it should be. Hi there, this is Gary once again welcoming you to episode 49 of Diary of a Senior Geek. Brought to you by Call Someone. Do yourself a favor and call someone today. You'll be glad you did. This episode was recorded on April 29th, 2020. I have a lot to say today, so buckle up. We'll start off with some news. I don't watch the news. We're into week eight of shelter in place to avoid contracting the COVID-19 virus. As of today, there are over a million confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the U.S., about one-third of the cases in the world. The U.S. accounts for about 4.25% of the world population, so you do the math. Over 58,000 Americans have died of the virus so far, a larger American death toll than the Vietnam War. That war lasted nearly 20 years. The virus deaths have occurred in not much more than a month. Currently, about 74,000 deaths are projected by August 4th. It is thought that the confirmed case count is a major undercount due to the still limited ability to test for the virus. In most cases, only folks showing symptoms are being tested even though a few studies have found that over half of COVID-19 cases are asymptomatic. A few states have started loosening up their stay-at-home orders. A few others never had a statewide order. We'll see how that turns out for them. California Governor Gavin Newsom has just started talking about a very careful staged reopening, possibly by June. It's likely that restrictions will be gradually reduced starting in less affected regions. It's very unlikely things will go back to anything looking like normal until a vaccine is developed and or herd immunity is achieved. Until then, ubiquitous testing and contact tracing will be required along with social distancing. My doctor used a quick test for the flu when I became ill in late January. The results were almost instantaneous. I didn't have the flu, just a cold. I doubt it was COVID-19. I wasn't running a fever, and my cough, though severe, was not a dry cough. If a similar accurate and fast test can be developed and distributed inexpensively, I can imagine life going back to something like what used to be normal. Since 9-11, everyone expects to get their bags checked and go through a metal detector before entering a sports venue, amusement park, concert hall, etc. The addition of a fast, inexpensive, and accurate test for illness wouldn't add that much to the inconvenience. It would help if crowded venues offered automatic refunds in case customers were turned away due to positive virus tests. I guess we'll see how that works out. It will likely take decades for the world economy to completely recover from the effects of COVID-19. I guess I picked a bad time to be retirement age. Ah. Uh... On to the main subject here. Last week, I posted a Facebook comment that triggered an argument among friends and co-workers in the comments. I just deleted the post. 
But one commenter asked, Why does everyone hate the president so much? I will let you know right now, I do not hate President Trump. I don't think he's qualified to be president of the United States. I think he's done a huge amount of damage to this country over the last three years, and I think his handling of the COVID-19 crisis is abysmal. But I don't hate him. I hate the circumstance of someone like him being president of the United States. I think he's unqualified because he apparently has no idea how the United States government works. Recently, he said that the U.S. president has absolute power. I think he actually believes that. However, this is not the case. The founders were very clear that they wanted to limit the power of the presidency and set up three co-equal branches of government, the legislative, the executive, and the judicial. Each was to act as a check and balance on the other two co-equal branches. Article 1 of the Constitution establishes the legislative branch. Article 3 establishes the judicial branch. Today we'll talk about Article 2, which establishes the executive branch. Article 2, Section 1 covers the election of a president. We'll skip that today because we're mostly talking about the president's powers and responsibilities, as detailed in Article 2, Sections 2 and 3. I am going to read them in their entirety now. They're not that long, so bear with me. Article 2, Section 2. The president shall be commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy of the United States, and of the militia of the several states, when called into the actual service of the United States. He may require the opinion, in writing, of the principal officer in each of the executive departments upon any subject relating to the duties of their respective offices, and he shall have the power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. He shall have the power, by and with the advice and consent of the Senate, to make treaties, provided two-thirds of the senators present concur and he shall nominate, and by and with the advice and consent of the Senate, shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers and councils, judges of the Supreme Court, and all other officers of the United States, whose appointments are not herein otherwise provided for, and which shall be established by law. But the Congress may, by law, vest the appointment of such inferior officers as they think proper, in the President alone, in the courts of law, or in the heads of departments. The President shall have the power to fill up all vacancies that may happen during the recess of the Senate by granting commissions which shall expire at the end of their next session. Section 3. He shall from time to time give to Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. He may, on extraordinary occasions, convene both houses, or either of them, and in case of disagreement between them with respect to the time of adjournment, he may adjourn them to such time as he shall think proper. He shall receive ambassadors and other public ministers. He shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed, and he shall commission all the officers of the United States. So the president has relatively broad powers. But Article 2, Section 2, requires the advice and consent of the Senate to exercise the more consequential powers. The Constitution is written to specify what an official or body is allowed to do. Any powers or responsibilities not mentioned lie somewhere else, i.e. with the legislative or judicial branches, or with state and local governments. The President specifically does not have absolute power. He can't declare war. Only Congress can do that. 
He can't pardon anyone who was convicted by a non-federal court. He can't make laws. That's Congress's job. He can't decide what is acceptable under the Constitution. That's the judicial branch's job. I told you all this so I can tell you this. It does not appear that President Trump is even passingly aware of what was written in the Constitution. He especially seems to chafe under the requirement in Article 2, Section 3, that he shall take care that all laws be faithfully executed. It appears that he thinks he, his family, and his friends should be able to behave any way they want. If I was to go into all the evidence of his incompetence and corruption, we'd be here all night, so I'll just use some recent examples. First off, he disbanded the federal pandemic response team in 2018 to save money. And he's been attempting to cut funding to the Centers for Disease Control since he was elected. I can't find the exact numbers, but it appears that funding for research on infectious diseases for these two organizations was somewhere between $600 million and $2 billion. The top number is a wild guess on my part, but it's probably within $500 million plus or minus. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Compare that to the trillions now being spent to try to close the barn door now that the horse is gone. At the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis, President Trump spent weeks downplaying the severity of the crisis in spite of scientific information being released by independent experts from all over the world. When it became impossible to ignore the crisis, instead of showing leadership by assigning a competent team to help manage the crisis, he passed the responsibility along to, among others, his son-in-law and his vice president, neither of which is a scientist, by the way. Imagine how things might have gone if the CDC was fully funded and there was still a federal pandemic response team ready to take action. In his desperation for a quick fix, he promoted dosing patients with hydroxychloroquine in spite of well-known side effects that can cause heart failure and problems with the retina in your eyes. This resulted in folks with diseases that are treated with hydroxychloroquine having problems acquiring their medication, i.e. lupus patients. At least one trial discovered that patients treated with hydroxychloroquine fared no better than patients who were not treated with the drug. Actually, many of the hydroxychloroquine patients fared worse due to heart problems caused by the drug. I haven't heard if there were any problems with uh, their retinas, but, uh, you know, there's always a possibility. More recently, he speculated on camera that humans might be cured of the virus by exposure to UVC light wavelengths, which is very dangerous, and or injection of something like a disinfectant, which would most likely kill both the virus and the patient. And now this stable genius has used the Defense Production Act to order meatpacking plants to stay open even as workers at those plants are coming down with COVID-19 at extremely high rates. He appears to be willing to sacrifice the health of these workers to assure that the supply chain for meat products remains uninterrupted. The fact that it actually makes him look like a heartless bastard does not appear to occur to him. It'll be interesting to see what happens when so many of the workers at these plants are sick, dead, or dying that the plants are forced to close due to lack of workers. With a couple of exceptions that appeared to just be showmanship, he has not used the Defense Production Act to assure a steady supply of desperately needed personal protective equipment for first responders and medical professionals, or to assure that hospitals in COVID-19 hotspots had enough ventilators for all of the patients who needed them. This would have been a much better use of the Defense Production Act. For these and many other reasons, in my opinion, his erratic behavior is very damaging to our country. 
I'm by no means alone in this opinion. His complete lack of leadership during the COVID-19 crisis is almost certainly why the United States, with little over 4% of the population in the world, currently has one-third of the known COVID-19 cases on the planet. And as I said before, that's probably an undercount. Do I hate the president? No. Do I think he's qualified to do his job? Hell no. Do I wish he'd resign for the good of the country so the rest of us can get on with handling this crisis without him throwing a fit every 10 minutes? Absolutely. Do I think that'll happen? No. As far as I'm concerned, this president has been in violation of the Emoluments Clause in the Constitution since the moment he took his oath. He's been profiting off of his hotel chain. He's been pushing his own hotels and resorts as places where government officials should stay when they're traveling. All that is putting money in his pocket. This is illegal. Or if it isn't illegal, it should be. In the oath he took, he swore to protect the Constitution, but he's been fighting against constitutional constraints on his office from the beginning. He was actually impeached with overwhelming evidence of his malfeasance, and that was only part of the evidence that was available. But a Republican-controlled Senate acquitted him on partisan grounds. They didn't even try to pretend that they were acquitting him on the merits. They came right out and said that they were acquitting him on partisan grounds. And that violated their own oaths of office. He should not be our president. But I don't hate him. If he were anyone else, I'd feel sorry for him and his complete lack of compassion and self-awareness. I really think a good therapist could be of immense help to him. But not while he's president of the United States. He should leave and let the big girls and boys handle things. By the way, Given that the U.S. Constitution, along with the Declaration of Independence, are the owner's manual for our country, they're both surprisingly short. You can probably read through both in about an hour, maybe two. The language is from the late 18th century and a little archaic, but you should be able to get at least the gist. And there's no end of educational resources on the Constitution on the web if you want to dig deeper. And I find that before I start discussing a subject, it's a good idea to be familiar with it the co-profit of the end times. Personally, it looks like the unemployment insurance issues I had have been ironed out, at least for now. Since the site keeps locking up, the California Educational Development Department is going to automatically cover anyone who applies for the next few weeks. No need to check in or, I assume, submit a resume. More news on that as I get it. And now for something completely different. When does a joke become a dad joke? When it's full grown. <laughs> Are you still stuck at home and feeling out of touch? Are you alone or just tired of talking to the same two people after nearly eight weeks of sheltering in place? Call someone. Actually call them on the phone. They'll love to hear from someone other than whoever they're stuck at home with. Catch up on what you've both been up to in the last five years since you actually spoke. It'll be fun. And good for both of you, too. Warning, do not call your ex or anyone who's ever issued a restraining order against you. It might be a good idea to either call someone who agrees with you politically or do yourself a favor and avoid politics entirely. Talk about the kids, talk about the weather, talk about your exercise routine, talk about the virus, but for God's sake, don't offer any opinions on the effectiveness of shelter in place. If the conversation starts to go south, pull the report immediately and just hang up. I mean, you and that person were never that close to begin with. What did you expect? Dad's Journal. The prompt this week is... One of my most memorable teachers in junior high or high school was, Dad said, quote, 11th grade, Regis High. 
a Jesuit-run high school, Father Sivanoller, he gave me my base knowledge in math, unquote. So apologies to Father Sivanoller if I pronounced that wrong, but uh, it's kind of hard to read Dad's handwriting. Dad wound up in a Jesuit school after getting kicked out of the local public high school. Nobody in the family was Roman Catholic. I think Grandma and Grandpa Fisher hoped that the discipline of a Jesuit school would help Dad find his way. Not so much. He eventually also got kicked out of Regis Hive because, as he put it to me, I punched a priest. On further questioning, I found out he didn't actually punch the priest, but when an elderly priest teaching chemistry sent Dad to the office because he was acting up, Dad purposely bumped his shoulder on the way out of the class, accidentally knocking him to the ground. That was it for Dad's high school career at any school. As far as I know, he never actually did get a high school diploma. I now understand why Dad rode Kip and me so hard during our high school years. He didn't want us to make the same mistakes he did. Zert. Quote of the week. This week's quote is from Stephen King. Get busy living or get busy dying. That's it for this week. I will see you again next week, assuming everybody's still healthy. Wash your hands and social distance and stay safe. Bye. I'd like to ask a little favor. If you like this podcast, please give it a five-star rating on whatever app or site you use to listen to it. This will help get it out there to more people. If you really like it, please kick a couple of bucks my way on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash seniorgeek. Senior Geek is all one word. Daddy needs to upgrade his podcasting rig. If, for whatever reason, you can't do that, I completely understand. You can still help by telling all of your friends and family about what a great podcast this is. As always, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. Just search for Senior Geek 49 or click on one of the links in the show notes. Thanks! Take three. One second. Only folks showing symptoms are being treated. Being treated? No, tested. Showing symptoms. It's one of those again. All right, I can get through this sentence. Only a few folks? No, that word is not in there, Gary. All right, let's pause right here. Okay, got rid of the redundant sentence. Here, I want to pause this again. Still recording. Did I record this? I'll do it again. They wanted to set... And by... Alright, we'll try that one. But Congress... Man, talk about run-on sentences. The end of the next session. Nope, got that wrong. If I was to go into all... And he's been attempting to cut funding for the Centers of Disease Control... No, Centers for... First off, he demanded... Ah, Fisher. Why can I not say Centers for Disease Control? Boy, that's a great read. Funding for research, research... In his desperation for a quick fix... Yeah, oh, man. Promoted dowsing. Dowsing? Yeah, we'll douse these patients. Oh, this is what happens when I ad lib. Ad lib. What's the word I'm looking for? Pause. Production app. Apt. <sighs> the language is from the lady. <sighs> Father's. Oh, I can't pronounce this. Father Sebnalbi. Father Sebnalbi. Apologies to Father Sebnalbi.
Kirby or Father Sibnell Burr. It's hard to read in Dad's journal. This week's quote is from Stephen Queen. Stephen Queen. Okay, now I need to edit this mess.